0: Welcome to the Life in the Rock podcast. Here you'll find a commitment to sharing with others the challenges and joys of our spiritual journey. The goal is to offer relevant and thought-provoking material on today's issues. My name is Keith Harris. I'm the host of this podcast and the preaching minister for the Winsong Church of Christ in North Little Rock, Arkansas. The church is located at 3 Winsong Drive in North Little Rock. If you're searching for joy and peace in life, I want to encourage you to visit Windsong, where you'll discover the joy and peace that are only found in Christ. Thank you for listening. Well, I want to welcome you to this latest episode of Life in the Rocks podcast in this series, Name Above All Names, where we are looking at the names of Jesus as we see them in Scripture. And so far, we've looked at the name of Jesus. He is the I Am, the Alpha, the Omega. He is the author of life. He is the Good Shepherd. Uh, we've seen that He is the Lamb of God, the true vine. and He is the Holy and Righteous One. And Jesus is identified by John as the Word of God. You know, many children have fond memories of summer camp, church camp, or other overnight events through their adolescent years. Some of my favorite memories are of the days I spent at Crowley's Ridge Youth Camp. Each summer was filled with a week or two of activities, great camp food, and the annual trek to Clay Mountain. In my opinion, it's the best church camp in the world. One of the recommended items to pack for camp was a flashlight. Many of the trails were filled with large root systems from nearby oaks and pines, and as night would fall in the camp, the woods were absorbed in darkness. Without a flashlight, one was certain to trip and fall. I remember our cabin counselors having larger flashlights, which they held high in the air to shine light for those who forgot theirs. The light made it clear to see where to place each foot so as to avoid an embarrassing and potentially painful experience. Isn't it funny how even a little light pushes away darkness? Chris McCurley once said, When light shines into darkness, light immediately wins. Light is a precious commodity when one is enveloped in darkness. It's unfortunate how regrettable decisions are which are made through a darkened lens. The story is told of a farmer who lived before the time of electricity. He was poking fun at one of his hired hands for taking a lantern as the hired hand went to visit his girlfriend at night. The farmer said, Why, when I was a courtin', I never carried one of them things. I always went in the dark. The hired hand promptly replied, Yeah, and look what you got. Indeed, light is so very important. And this reality leads us to another title of Jesus. As with others we have seen, light of the world is a title Jesus gave to himself. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. As we begin to think about this title, we must dig deeper into the context in which we find this statement by Jesus. As with other New Testament writers, the Apostle John wrote his gospel in such a way that larger sections are evident. Chapters 7 and 8 are clearly one section and must be taken as a whole when noting the context of Jesus' statement. So, what was going on in the context of these two chapters in John's gospel? Why is this statement of Jesus so significant? What was Jesus meaning when he identified himself as the light of the world? The main event covered by John in chapters 7 and 8 is the Feast of Tabernacles. Flavius Josephus, the first-century Jewish historian, noted that the Feast of Tabernacles was the most popular annual festival of the Jews. He wrote that the Feast of Tabernacles was kept by the Hebrews as a most holy and most eminent feast. Some versions of the Bible will translate this feast as the Feast of Booths. Both translations are correct. The Greek word used here is skenopagia. This word belongs to the same word family as skenoo, which is a verb meaning to tent, encamp, occupy, or reside. Tabernacle is from the Latin word tabernaculum and is related to the Latin word for hut or booth. Tabernacle simply means hut booth, or tent. So, Feast of Booths is also a correct title for this most popular festival. But what is its connection to the title Jesus ascribed to himself? The reason this festival was called the Feast of Tabernacles is because the Jews would build tents or booths in which they would reside during the days of the festival. This was done to commemorate the wilderness wandering of the Hebrew people following their exodus from Egypt. This feast was a celebration of the blessings of God as seen in the harvests of wine, fruit, and olives. This festival also celebrated the mercy of God upon his people throughout their history and looks forward to a second exodus. George R. Beasley Murray noted, The most outstanding features of the festival were the camping in huts, the ceremonial drawing of water each morning from the pool of Siloam, and the rejoicing at night in the light of the enormous candelabras set up in the court of the women. It's not difficult to see the significance of these most important and outstanding features of the Feast of Tabernacles. The people would reside in huts, symbolizing the Hebrew people as they made their way toward the Promised Land, relying upon God who would lead them and meet their needs along the way. The drawing of water was a parade-like ritual and may have been the most notable and popular event of the festival. One historian noted, During the preparation of the morning burnt offering, A procession of priests, with the accompaniment of singing and flute playing, winded their way from the temple down to the pool of Siloam, where a priest filled a golden flask with water while a choir repeated Isaiah 12, verse 3. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The priests returned to the temple via the water gate, a gate on the south side of the wall immediately surrounding the temple within the court of the Gentiles, where the procession was joined by other pilgrims who had come to the temple for the feast. Arriving at the water gate, a blast was made on a shofar, which is Hebrew for ram's horn, Upon the blasting of the shofar, the group moved towards the altar of sacrifice located in the court of the priests, which surrounded the temple. The priest, with the golden flask filled with water, ascended the altar and poured the libation on the morning burnt offering. While doing this, the procession that had followed the priest would circle the altar. The priest who had charge of pouring the water went up the ramp and offered the water libation with a wine libation into two silver bowls on the southwest corner of the altar. The water-drawing ceremony proceeded in this manner every day of the feast except on the seventh day when the priest encircled the altar seven times instead of just once. It was not performed on the eighth day, though it appears that a prayer for rain was given on the eighth day. Concerning the libation or pouring of the water upon the altar, it is said that he who has not seen the joy of the drawing of water at the Feast of Tabernacles does not know what joy is. On the eighth day, the priest would not draw water, the people would not rejoice and sing, but would reflect on the blessings of God from the previous year and pray to God asking for continued blessings. It was on the eighth day of the feast that Jesus offered some powerful words. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. These words of Jesus were significant with regard to the blessings of God. Jesus was letting the people know that God's outpouring of salvation and blessing would be through him. These words would not be the only significant words Jesus spoke at the Feast of Tabernacles. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, John 8, verse 12, he was revealing to the people at the festival something else about his identity. Whereas the words spoken by Jesus in John 7, verses 37 and 38, pointed to Jesus as the fulfillment of God's salvation and hope provided to the Israelites, so this statement pointed to God shining upon the people, illuminating their deliverance and hope of future salvation. When Jesus identified himself as the light of the world, His reference to the joyful celebration of the lighting of the great candelabras was unmistakable. Beasley Murray commented, As with the water-drawing ceremony, the celebration in the light of the lamps will have been associated with recollection of the nation's experience at the Exodus and the hope for a second Exodus. In the wilderness wanderings, the presence of the Lord with his people was manifested in the pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night, which saved them from the would-be destroyers and guided them through the wilderness to the promised land. It is linked with the Old Testament faith in the Lord as the light of his people, which, for the Jew, connoted not so much the being of God as his saving activity. When this statement of Jesus is understood in the context of the Feast of Tabernacles, it takes on its proper meaning. When this statement is understood with regard to its significance of the history of the people of God, it makes sense why Jesus would speak of following the light. The Israelites followed the light of God as they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. The light of God led them through the wilderness to the promised land. John chapter 8, verse 12 is not the only time we see Jesus make this statement. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John chapter 9, verse 5. This statement is made by Jesus following a question asked By his disciples. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Jesus had previously stated that he was the light of the world in John chapter 8, verse 12. But in this context, he will demonstrate that he is in fact the light of the world. This would be accomplished by healing this man that was born blind. Very literally, Jesus brings light to this blind man's darkness. Remember, when light shines into darkness, light immediately wins. In the opening of his gospel, the Apostle John speaks of Jesus being the light. John is clear in his understanding of who Jesus really is. His intent is to help the reader understand as well. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. This reference is made more specifically as John continues. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Jesus is the true light that John references. He is the one that gives light to everyone. John the Baptist came to bear witness about Jesus, the light, so that all might believe through him. Jesus said, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. John chapter 12, verse 46. Jesus' desire is to provide light for those in darkness as he leads the way toward the salvation and hope God is providing through him. The reality of the salvation and hope God is providing through Jesus is made evident from the time of Jesus' infancy. Jesus' mother and father, following the customs of the Jewish people, presented Jesus in the temple and made the customary offering of two turtle doves or young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Luke chapter 2, verses 25-32 Jesus is the source of the salvation that God prepared. Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Jesus is a light for glory to the Israelites. It is Jesus of whom John the Baptist came to bear witness. Jesus is the true light. There's great benefit that comes to those who follow His light. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, verse 12. The benefit for those who follow Jesus is that they will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Following Jesus leads to life, because Jesus is the light of the world. I hope you've been encouraged by these words today. To find more on this topic or other spiritual matters, please visit lifeintherock.org. You can also visit Facebook and search Life in the Rock. I invite you to like, follow, and share this page with your family and friends. My prayer is that God will bless you today and that you will seek Him with all your heart. Thank you for listening.